this is um should be really easy to talk about i think because it actually has yeah for me one of the most structured chapters excellent excellent great i'm glad you're all plugged in i've got a bit of a uh, bit of a sticky throat so i'm feeling not great and i forgot my lozenges so i'll just sip on my water Uh, okay so Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Welcome to Bulgarian and Beyond, episode 12. We're up to chapter 12 of Porn of Prophecy, which is the first book in the Bulgarian. And uh, this week, we're starting with part two of Porn of Prophecy, Cherik. And my name is Sandra Turnbull, and um, I am one of your amazing hosts. And I'm here with my friend. Take it over. Hey, guys. It's Alicia. Uh, excited to be back. It's been a little bit of a break for me and Sandra, even though you guys don't see it. So I'm excited to get into this chapter. and. And then move on to the next one. It's been a while. I know. This, we're doing, we've been time traveling again, my darlings, my darlings. Mm-hmm. So straight into it. Alicia, please yep. tell me I said that right. Yes, you did. Yay, I'm getting better. <laughs> Alicia, tell us um, about your week. Let's go into Pogara's Cup. Yeah, um, my week, I, I think, is more of a smoothie type of a drink, extra sweet with a hint of spicy. And I know in the last episode, I brought up that I was like super concerned with the approaching Girl Scout camp that me, I was going to go on with my daughter because the last two years, I didn't have that great of an experience personally um, for different reasons. And this time... Uh, was actually very, very different. as the first time I had a lot of fun. And I think a big difference was because there's a smaller group of us from our class. And um, so us, us moms that were there had a chance for those of us who never really spoke or bonded before, we all really had a bonding experience just as the moms. And so that was kind of cool. And the girls um, were all doing like amazing the whole time whereas when they're younger it's more of like this bickering and crying and fussing about a lot of things mm-hmm. and now they're finally at this age where it's like cool they're just having fun and we got to do archery which was a highlight <gasps> I was me. gonna say I saw a photo you were totally mm-hmm. Artemising out it was yeah. fantastic it was a lot of fun um, it felt like again like I said before I don't know what it is with me and weapons but when I'm holding <laughs> A weapon. There's something about it that just feels like it's natural. Like you had total power stance going on in that photo. Yeah, it was so fun, and the girls loved it too. We got stuck in the rain out there, so we hiked back in the rain. The whole weekend was rainy and snowy. There was snow in the mountains, so it was really fun. Cool. <laughs> um, Very cool. And then the spicy is because of. Um, my littlest one, she's in like this weird rebellious stage, like speaking of whining and fussing about everything. <laughs> That's the stage she's in right now because she's four. And I remember my older going through this 
And it is not easy at all. Everything, everything. (laughs) Like last night, it took her three hours just to sit down and do homework, which is preschool homework of like tracing her name four times. (laughs) And she just like would not, I don't like it. I don't want to do it. And no matter what I said, like no TV, no tablet, I don't care. I'm not doing it. And it's like, you're four years old. (laughs) Wow. Why are you talking like that? Yep. yep. That's, that's kind of challenging. It is challenging and I do not envy you. And I'm glad that it was a long time ago for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't be too much longer. She'll be through it, but it's, it does. It feels like a long time while you're going. (laughs) (laughs) Time seems to take on this expanded quality. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Definitely. So how about you? My turn. Well, my potion is hot and earthy. Um, one of the things that I've been doing is um, taking an Ayurvedic potion, which is really simply water that's been boiled for 10 minutes. And my girlfriend got me onto it. Whenever my body flares up with some sort of distress in my digestive system, you know, my, my liver system's up, been up to shit for a long time. So... I'm just starting to get a handle on that now. And so last week I was talking about the celery juice that I'd started taking in the morning and that's been amazing. But, and I've also started including the boiled water. And I think the reason I'm not sure of the entire philosophy, but there's something about the, the boiling action of the water, you know, bringing that vital life force, the movement into the water and raising the energy of it and and purifying and burning off all of the crap that we have in our, um, you know, pipes and just general water supply. And I just feel really grateful that I have all of the things around me that I can be so privileged as to say, you know, I boil my water for 10 minutes so I can purify it. I feel that privilege and I'm really grateful. But And so I've been drinking that because I think part of the reason that I was getting nauseated is because I was just dehydrated. Yeah. Um, and so, and it's actually makes the water really pleasant to drink. So I boil a pot in the morning, fill up a thermos and it stays, you know, it's still warm in the afternoon. I just sit that on my office um, desk and drink that all day. And it's really pleasant. So if, if you've never tried it or if you're just kind of over drinking tea or coffee or just want something a bit different, give it a try because it's surprisingly tasty. Like, you know, never called water tasty before but it really is so and my girlfriend told me this funny story about she used to do it for her cat like one of her old cats years ago used to not drink very much water but she left her cup of boiled water down one day and the cat was like lick 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 drank it all up and so she started boiling the water for her cat and so I think that animals have a sense of what's good for them and what's not good for them and trust their instincts much more than us dumb old humans Mm because we like to think that we're right about everything. And so, so. No, you're right because there is, um, when you talk about, I forget which, um, but there was a tsunami somewhere years ago and they always talk about the death rate of the humans versus the death rate of animals. And like hardly any animals were killed in the tsunami because they instinctually knew something was coming and got to safe ground yeah. like way in advance. 
Yeah, because there's that, they have that connection to the earth that we mm -hmm. just don't have anymore. Yeah. Well, we have it. I think we just block it with all of our, well, yeah. mind, our mind junk. That's know. exactly right. And I mean, that's what we do spiritual practice for and get into philosophy and ask the big questions and meditators to try and sort of form that connection again, like get reconnected. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I haven't ever drank just plain boiling water oh, before. I do. I do hot, hot water with lemon every morning. No, I've never had it plain. Cool. I'm glad it's helping. I know dehydration can totally create stomach issues. Like with my oldest, she's yeah. always got stomach issues. And I think a huge thing for her, she does not drink enough. And she well, just won't. I just get like, I get to the middle of the afternoon and I just about fall over because I do dishes like in the late afternoon after I finish in my office, close everything up. I go down and doing dishes is sort of my unplug from work to get back into home. Yeah. And by the time I finish doing the dishes, I know if I've had enough water or not because I'm just ready to fall over. It's ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> okay. So let's get into Garion's view. Chapter 12. Okay. So this is our first glimpse of part two of the book and we get to see their approach to Cherik. And so they get on a ship. Um, so we get to see Beric, some of his people on the ship and kind of get a vibe that, you know, some people don't like each other as much. And, you know, um, Gary and was actually on sea, seems to be pretty miserable. And I think it was Darnik who is seasick. And then there's a thing with Ampole that, creates tension uh, between Mr. Wolf and him. And then, um, oh, they arrive at that, the boar. Is that how you say? And Cherik boar, like, they go through the Cherik boar. Like a big- We'll talk, we'll uh, talk more about that when we get into the meat of the chapter. Right, like the big whirlpool. Mm -hmm. And so they have to get through that to arrive at Val Alorn. Mm-hmm. And um, Gary and Barak have this strange encounter once they get there with some elderly woman. That's uh, really intriguing. <laughs> and that's about it. And that doesn't sound like much, but ooh hoo hoo, it's a big chapter. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of little stuff in it. Um, and and I, I really enjoyed it. I liked the action. Yeah. And the movement. There was a lot of like physical character movements. So yep. that was good to read. Yeah. So, so they're with the, they're still at the castle, the Fulrex castle in the Sundarian King. That's where the episode starts. And they're, they're going to Cherik, to Valalorn, which is the capital city of Cherik, where the king lives. And so to get from Sundaria to Cherik, um, if you look at the map, it's like Sendaria is coming up to a point and Cherik is coming down to a point and the points between them is where the Cherik boar is, this whirlpool that you're talking about, the great maelstrom. And mm -hmm. so um, they have to sail from one to the other and the Cheriks are the people who build the big war boats, like they're the viking warriors that's just how i see them in my head do you 
That's the visual I got. Like, I think I remember I compared Beric to um, the dad in um, yes. Brave. Yes, you did. That's exactly, it's yeah. exactly, exactly the picture. I had this huge giant right. man with, you know, the red right. beard and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they are the sailors and they have these huge Cherk war boats. And so they're, they're all going on the boat and, the, and King Fulrat goes with them. So they're having some sort of council meeting when they get to Valalorn with all of the other monarchs. Yeah. And so they get on the boat. The first thing that caught my attention was Beric instantly knows the, is it the captain of the boat? Yeah. His name is Greldick. Greldick, yeah. And, and <laughs> this, is, um, this is another one of those incidental characters who pops up all the way through the series. Mm. So Greldick, um, yeah. So, so he's, important he, to remember his name. Yeah, so he's sort of one of those side characters that shows up again and again. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And then immediately, um, Silk has a response about not really being too thrilled that Greldick is their captain. Yeah. Yeah. But I think um, Silk, I don't think Silk likes sailing very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it probably comes more from that than from not liking the Cherk people. Yeah, I mean, he made some kind of comment. I'm trying to find it where oh, it made me I'm believe. I'm it right now. He says, he says, it would seem that Lord Barrack is acquainted with our captain, the Earl of Saline observed. That's disquieting, Silk said wryly. I was hoping for a sober, sensible captain of middle years and a conservative disposition. I'm not fond of ships and sea travel to begin with. Yeah. And then a little bit further on, he makes a comment along the lines of um, someone says, oh, I think it's when he's further in, he's talking to um, Barak or, oh, no, Dernick after he's just been sick or something. I can't remember. But he says, I make a, a point of not going through the Cherok bore sober or something like right. that. Right, right, Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally get the the feeling he does not like sailing. And I think the comment that he makes about, um, because it's the Earl that says that Greldick's one of the finest seamen. Mm-hmm. And, and then Silk's response is that Cherrick definitions can be deceptive. <laughs> yes. So that's where I was kind of like, well, what's his problem with, with well, Greldick? Well, because I think that it's just because the Cherrick's, sailing like the sea is like their natural place they're very comfortable on the sea with big boats and they're kind of a little bit casual with their their definitions of what's safe and what's not Mm. okay that makes sense (laughs) the brave the bravery thing kind of takes over and they're you know yeah just different different backgrounds that's what that's about (laughs) okay that makes sense so they all get on the boat Queen uh, Layla comes <laughs> for the ride to say goodbye. That was yeah. interesting. Yeah, she's she doesn't go with them, right? Because she's she... terrified of sea travel. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just love the little moment where she has a really hard time, like letting him go too. Or she's kind of just like, I really don't want to say goodbye. Yeah, I, I have to now because you're leaving the boat. And I love the way she, I love the way it's written. Like when she's just all by herself on the pier with all the big mm-hmm. giant soldiers standing beside her, and this little tiny queen, right, <laughs> standing there watching them sail away. 
Yeah, I know. It had a very Game of Thrones feel to me. Oh, okay. Those characters splitting up was never a good thing. Uh, as soon as they say goodbye, it's like, mm, you're not okay. going to see them again. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what crossed my mind. Like, probably not okay. the case, but <laughs> Okay, well, I'm not going to say anything because spoilers. But off, anyway, so off they go in sailing and Garion's still sulking and sullen and being very moody um, because he's still sitting with that idea that Wolf, he's still trying to work out this thing that Wolf is Belgarath and Art Pol is Polgara and it's all absurd and he thinks it's just a lot of crap and how could it be? And so he's having all of this teenage angst going on. Yeah. Yeah, we see him working through that kind of internally. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so um, so that's all fine, and then Garion's a couple of days into the to the to the journey, it starts to get really icy and 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 like snow with ice and stuff, and that's when Dernick sort of seasick. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. I get a bit seasick just reading it because it sounds really rough and right. And Barrack makes the comment, you know, if this doesn't break it will be a rough passage through the boar mm -hmm. and um, that's when Dernick's like he's just finished getting sick he's like oh what the hell's that <laughs> and then um, Barak explains that the Cherok boar is a huge maelstrom a huge whirlpool in between the two peaks of the land masses and do you remember how the ships passed through it or do you want me to explain yeah I remember that um <clears throat> Dernick, I mean not Dernick, Barrack seems really like just nonchalant about like, yeah, we can just spin through it and then they'll <laughs> shoot us right out. <laughs> yeah, so the, t the, the, the strategy is that the ship, they, they, they aim straight for the whirlpool and they, they, they sail around it twice, like with the, with the oarsmen, because they have all the warriors manning the oars rowing for their freaking lives twice around this massive whirlpool and if the ship doesn't break up it slingshots out the other side right and it's all good and safe and it shoots them far enough past all the whirlpools and riptides and stuff so they don't drown isn't that nice yeah yeah i love that because this is where you get the sense that silk is really not for this he's like i'm good if i never have to do this again in my life <laughs> Oh, this is and, the line. I make a special point of not going through it sober, Silk says. Right. Yeah, because Dernick's starting to panic a little bit too. Cause yeah, yeah. Like, I'm already seasick. Um, <laughs> what is this thing and how am I going to survive? Exactly. <laughs> and so, so that's fine. And they get to it. And Garion's, um, so Garion, we haven't heard very much from Garion. We've just had a little bit of this internal process where he's still kind of, you can, he's still in that, you know, impossibility kind of trying to work it out and feeling cast adrift and with no, nobody, no family and like nothing's making sense. And so how do you, how, do you want to talk a bit about what he decides to do? Oh, well, what is that part? I, I was reading the next one for when Barak has him come stand up front on the ship with him. That's the one. So, well, he yeah. doesn't, Barak doesn't have him. Barak goes to the front of the ship when they're heading, when they're getting ready to go through the, 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 the Cherok bore, this huge whirlpool. Mm -hmm. Barak's at the front of the ship because, you know, he's a Cherok. <laughs> 
and Gary goes with him. And Varric's like, yes, boy, we'll stare it down the throat together. Yeah. You know, all, you know, Viking-like. <laughs> and so um, Gary just copies what he does and grabs a, a rusty iron ring that's, you know, banged into the prow of the boat. So they're both standing there. like, And I can just, I get this image of them, like, I don't know, it's a mixture between that scene in Titanic and, like, an a, a Roman chariot race where someone's holding the reins with one hand and like standing up really straight. <laughs> that's the image in my head. That's that's classic. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, because because Gary has that moment of bravery, and it's instantly almost wiped away when when Beric's explaining the maelstrom to him mm. as he's already standing up there mm. and they're approaching. And um, he's, like, telling him that as long as we can slingshot through this, we'll be okay if the ship doesn't sink. So then he's like, what do you mean if the ship doesn't sink? And then there's – I picture him as soon as he says that, then they, like, go suck down the, the spinning. Yes. Spinning and downward. So, and I, I totally understand it, though, because, like, you get – I can remember, I can remember, you know, times in my life when – uh, everything just nothing made sense I was so confused and I just got really reckless like fuck the world I'm just gonna do something that could very well hurt me or hurt someone else and I just don't care anymore mm-hmm. I need something to just you know I don't know have you ever yeah. felt like that yeah I remember going through a lot of that it was like in my early 20s like a rebellion type thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so Gary and like is there holding onto this ring and then, and then they get to the boar and he realizes that the great maelstrom isn't just a little whirlpool. It's like fully as big as the upper village of the village of upper Grolt or whatever that place he went to with Mr. Wolf, the first village that he went to that wasn't Feldor's farm. Right. It's like that's how big this flipping whirlpool is and it goes all the way down to the ocean floor. So I even have trouble imagining how big this is. Did you have, like, could you, could you, do you visualise when you read or do you just kind of get impressions? I think it just depends how they're describing it. But with this, yeah, I imagined it being like the boat, the ship looks kind of like um a snail in like a pot that goes down like such a good description an average sized flower pot that you would put like a medium-sized plant in and then it's yep 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 yeah like that's that's the comparison (laughs) i had so yeah they go through it right yep so they go through it they they go around it twice sling out the other side (laughs) <laughs> and Garion's like kind of frozen in the spot when they get mm-hmm. to the other side like holy shit what did I just do <laughs> right um and then of course Aunt Paul doesn't waste a second no. to come yell at him about it <laughs> of course and Garion's you know. so funny he just mutters to Barak oh, now you've done it gone and got me in trouble <laughs> <laughs> But then it's cool because he, like, stands up to her and tells her it wasn't Beric's fault. Yeah. It was my idea, so mm-hmm. don't yell at him. 
And then that's where they get into this whole. And like, he's not, he's like really angry. Like this is his anger bursting out his anger and confusion. Just kind of, you know, we've all done that. Haven't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's really like talking back to her at this point she's questioning him he's like i just felt like it what yeah. about it you know and yeah. um, what does it matter why really i did you're gonna punish me anyway mm -hmm. yeah so she gets really offended and yeah. mr wolf overhears it all and so she she draws that breath in and you just know she's gonna split him down the middle or turn him into a toad <laughs> or something like gary yeah and then yeah but i don't know if she walks away or if she's like kind no, of bye Mr. Wolf sort of butts in, has a little yeah. chuckle and mm -hmm. says, why don't you let me take care of this pole? Yeah. And she's like, what are you talking about? No, I can handle this. And, and Mr. Wolf says, yes, but not very well. <laughs> <laughs> I think I insist. <laughs> right. Right. And I think he's the only one that can get away with talking to her like that to her actually like being yeah. like, all right, fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the relationship has changed now. We're seeing him as the father and she as the daughter. Right. It makes a lot of sense why, why he's the only one that can um, really change her mind about something. Yeah. Because he's, I think, the only one that's really has a deeper understanding than her. And I think he also understands when he needs to pull her into line. When he can pull her into line, he's just really judicious about the way that he insists on his way being the way that things are done like he doesn't do it all the time he could but he doesn't he rarely does it actually yeah yeah um and i, I love like the first thing to come out of garyan's mouth to him is why is she so mean yeah. um because you can really just in that simple question you can sense like his his anger and his just yeah. like I don't even know what to do with this anymore. I just need to explode. But also the, no. you get the sense that he feels very close to Mr. Wolf, regardless of all of the turmoil that's going on in his mind, he still feels connected enough to open up to him and talk to him about something that's obviously really painful to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the interesting part of this, though, is that as soon as he opens up, you would expect Mr. Wolf to almost embrace him and, and like coddle him a little bit, but he does the exact opposite to yeah, where yes. I, I wonder how we'll talk about it, but I just wonder how like Gary and feels now about confiding in Mr. Wolf. Is it like, does he appreciate the honesty or is he kind of like, Whoa, I think that, I, don't know. I think that he does because I think ultimately all the way through I've, to this point in the story, I've gotten the sense that Garion is a responsible and a respectful person. And he, he doesn't commonly feel, well, he, he feels sorry for himself a lot in his head, but he's always responsible when it comes to other people, I think. It feels like he doesn't, he would try not to do the wrong thing by people. Mm -hmm. And I get the sense here that he's, He's angry, yes, but when he's talking to Mr. Wolf and Wolf sort of doesn't, doesn't set out to make him feel ashamed or embarrassed, although in the, one of the dialogue tags um, goes, I'm sorry, Garion mumbled, ashamed of himself. So it sort of hit Garion's sort of feeling 
are shamed, but at no point does Mr. Wolf try to shame him. What he does do is require him to step up. Mm-hmm. And so it's like he's, he's really being that archetypal father figure, the, the, the mentor, the mentor that's drawing Gary in into the next phase of his life. You know, this Gary and sort of whinging about people being treating him like a child. And so the mentors, there saying, okay, well, here's your chance. Step up and stop acting like one. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think like when I, when I hear Gary and say, well, you're making it sound childish and, and Mr. Wolf's response is like, well, isn't it childish? And so he, he basically tells him like, this is your own problem and it's not fair to like make other people unhappy because yes. you have a problem. Yes. And in many ways, I think that it's really like, yeah, he's being a mentor in that moment. But I also feel like it seemed a little bit harsh to me, like just a yeah. little bit. <laughs> okay. Well, see, this is interesting because, because I know the story, but it's so good to see it through your eyes and to see how, you know, the impressions that you get. Yeah. But I can understand because of his wisdom, like Mr. Wolf's wisdom of all he's been through that, that Gary and the way he's acting can seem pretty petty. Like just get over it. This is the way it is. And like, stop making other people suffer because you're feeling butthurt about it, you know? <laughs> and, and I mean, and I think that Mr. Wolf does handle it better than Paul would have because he takes the time to explain those things to you know give Gary a chance to speak without shutting him down (laughs) (laughs) which I have the feeling Aunt Paula would have and to sort of say you know she's not being mean she was frightened and no one likes to be frightened she wasn't angry she was frightened yeah and just you know show him a different perspective and snap Mm -hmm. Gary out of the, the poor me kind of mindset that he's so immersed in at the moment. Yeah. I agree with that for sure. Because as a teenage boy, you can't understand like a motherly woman's concerns. As a teenage anything. Right. (laughs) I guess that's true. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like I have conversations with my mum now about me as a teenager. And I'm like, God, how the hell did you manage me? Like, what did you do? So I went, I read a lot of romance novels and just ignored uh-huh. it. <laughs> yeah. You have to ignore a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. That was an interesting time of life. Yeah, it sure is. Um, and so Gary apologizes to Ample. Yeah. But yeah. before they get, when they're still in the conversation, I love the revisiting of that impossible conversation that they had Ray back in chapter like two or whatever it was. He's sort of Belgareth says, well, what's the problem? What is, what, what is your problem? And he's like, well, they call you Belgareth and they call her Polgara. And, and Belgareth just sort of cuts through all the bullshit. And he's like, look, people call us lots of different things. It's not our fault. And it's no reason for you to act like an asshole." <laughs> yeah because you know right and you know but it's just impossible he says and like didn't we have that conversation a long time ago about what's possible Mm -hmm. yeah that's true I forgot about that part 
And he just gets all stubborn and, well, I just don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then he goes, and then he sort of, I I, I did did chuckle about the, um, well, I'll I'll apologise to Aunt Paul. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. Mr. Wolf's like, yeah, well, don't leave it too long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, she'll forgive you, but only for a time. Well, you know, she can hold a grudge for a really long time. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, definitely. And so, and the the part of like the actual apology yeah. I thought was actually humorous too because he apologizes and says I won't do it again. Yeah. But she she's just kind of like laughing at him cuz she's like yeah. don't make these promises you're not going to be able to keep them. It's very yeah. loving though. It's such a mm-hmm. um right. like I get that as a mom I've said that to my daughters. Mm-hmm. Like it's like yeah I accept your apology, but don't say that you won't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> like you're going, you're going to do it again many times. You're going to just... make lots of mistakes. <laughs> right. Right. You know, and then it's all okay again. They, she gives him a hug and, and just, you could see, like, you could, I don't know about you. I feel like she loves him so much in that moment where she just embraces him after Mm -hmm. the apology how does that come across to you yeah I got that feeling a lot because I I almost could relate to it as a mother myself sometimes when I talk to my older daughter um when she feels like she's gonna get in trouble about something and then I can just kind of come at her at a real level and just be like you don't need to you're not gonna be perfect and that's okay like whatever you know, yeah. so stop worrying. She's a worrier. So I was like, always like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely related to that scene. Yeah. So then they're at, in the, they get, arrive at Cherik. Yep. Oh, hang on. I might be able to give you a little, little history lesson here about the peoples. Okay. So the Cherik Peninsula, I'll just read a little snippet of the text towards the ancient city, which was the ancestral home of all Alorns, or Alorns, Algar and Drasnian, as well as Cherik and Riven. So the Alorns are equivalent to the Angarax. So the Angarax are the Murgos and all of those people. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Alorns are what we can term the good guys. Okay. All of, all of the characters that we're following. So they include the Algars, which were the horse people. Right. The Drasnians. Right. Silk is a Drasnian. Mm-hmm. The Cheriks. So that's where we are. And Barak is a Cherik. And the Ravens. And Have you met the Ravens yet? I don't want to say anything because... <laughs> We have, but we just don't know it. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> so we may or may not have met any Rivens, but they have not appeared prominently in the text so far. They are the ones who the Naisans, they killed the king. So that's the lost king. Oh, right. They're the Riven. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yes, I, I got it now. Okay. I know what you're... I'm not going to say it. I'm just saying I know what you're not saying. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so so they get there and when I look at the map, it doesn't look like the journey is that far, but they've been sailing for days and days and days. 
Right. And it's, it's a fun. really short chapter for like days of travel. <laughs> I know. It feels like to me, it feels like they got on a ship and then yeah. that night they were there. I know. But like in the text, there's lots of like, it must have been pretty boring because they don't talk much about what happened on the journey. Danny right. threw up, you know, they went through a whirlpool. <laughs> yeah. Garen was an ass, apologized. And now they're <laughs> lawn. Yeah, I love it. So, um, it's all snowy and icy. Ice shrouded wharves they pull up at, the text says. And ah, oh, so what did you think of what was your impression of uh the city? I don't know, I had a hard time visualizing this one for some reason. Like I get he was seeing the palace of or he asks, is that the palace ahead? So that was like my cue of like, okay, this is some type of a palace, the temple of Belar. Okay. But other than that, I couldn't like get really good visual okay so let me let me do a little visual so in the text it's like the walls and buildings were so incredibly ancient that they seemed more like natural rock formations than construction of human hands so i just get this impression of lots of really ancient stone buildings and some of them have fallen down and some of them have been kept in repair and it's all just like tumbled together in like one conglomeration like this city and the walls and the buildings like one kind of huge i don't know spread out kind of okay so i'm visualizing right now two different things and it's probably them combined maybe like my first thought was goblin town inside the mountain except this is outside of a mountain like oh that's a really good picture yeah and then the other one is, I don't know which Star Wars it was in, but there's a Star Wars where you do see people like living in these kind of stone or even dirt, clotted up dirt um, homes uh, that seem to be like stuck oh, together. I've seen some of those. I, I can't tell you. It could be like a Middle East country or a desert, an arid country where there's like cliffs, cliff faces, and there's like um Mm -hmm. buildings like almost carved into the rocks and it's so beautiful right Right. yeah it's like that but on ground level with stone right in my head Mm -hmm. yeah that's what i'm seeing but yeah so like just your basic ancient castle kind of town cool and so then there's actually a palace of this does that mean it's one of these things but huge yeah yeah so i stone like vast vast huge castle made of massive rock and stone Mm. and it's so snowy that they go there in a horse-drawn sleigh how cool is that (laughs) yeah and then the mention of the bear god Uh uh-huh so on the way they have to go past the temple of balar the balar is the bear god of the um um cheriks and on the way yeah so they get to the temple and on the steps of the temple is the old woman you talked about Marcha. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? So she she was, was interesting. What yeah. Are your thoughts about that? Um, I pictured like the little witch from uh, Snow White with her little apple, and like she knows oh, all these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just think that she's probably right on with she's prophesizing something, and something horrible is going to happen to Beric later in the book. <laughs> And, of course, she's hinting to Garion, Hail Greatest of Lords. Is that what she's, she's talking to Barry? I mean, yeah. Gar- Garion? <laughs> yeah. I combine their names. 
Uh, she says, when you come into inheritance, remember that it was me who first greeted you. Yeah. She uses like some old English language, but um, so yeah, I mean, that's my impression was that she's definitely prophesizing. She already knows who Garion is, but from the hints we've gotten previously, you know, I think he is like the lost Raven King and that's who she's referring to. And Beric, of course, just dismisses like, she's just a crazy woman, like ignore her. And um, yeah, the interesting thing about all of this is that March is blind. Mm-hmm. That's right. She can't see. And so she's recognized Garion, but she can't see them. She's recognized yeah. Beric, but she can't see him. She sees energy. <laughs> <laughs> and and Beric gets really angry with her. So and she calls yeah. she calls um Barak. She sort of tells Barak about his doom. Thy doom still awaits thee. Hail, Lord Barak, thy doom still awaits thee. Right. And Barak's like in a really foul mood because he's like basically says, piss off or I'll get the king onto you and he'll burn you for a witch. Um, yeah, and then he just, as you said, he just nice. sort of fobs it off when Garion asks her about it. Yeah, and I'd like to see, and I don't know if we will, but I would like to see like previous interactions between Barak and this woman and why he's so like, just get away from me and be quiet, you know, like stop telling me my doom is coming. Well, I think, yeah, I think that, that, that Barak's doom, this is the first mention of his doom. Mm. Is it not? Yes, it is. Okay. So (laughs) mark the day. (laughs) So I won't say any more about it, but just know this is the first (laughs) mention of it. (laughs) That's the end of the chapter, my darlings. Yep. I liked it. It was a good one. Yeah. <sighs> oh, let's see. Moving on to magic. Okay, magic. What was the magic for you in this chapter? So for me, I I really I've already sort of talked about it, but March's recognition of Garion at the Temple of Bela when she's blind and she, you know, is obviously using other senses and um tuning into the energies and what have you and talking about things that are obviously prophecy so she's she is as you said very obviously prophesying Mm -hmm. and i just really like um that whole thing especially you know like she's not she she might look like a weak feeble old woman but she's not helpless (laughs) right and I like, yeah. I really, I really like that um, image of the old crone because so often um, the crone of the story is vilified and made the villain and the evil, wicked witch. And um, there's so much power in uh, the crones of this world and we dismiss it all the time. And I just want to give a little shout out to the, the crones. <laughs> yeah, I think she was a really interesting character. Um, just for the brief time she was there, really intriguing. Hmm. Um, What's your magic moment, babe? Mine is not really magic. Um, I mean, it's magic as far as just somebody who's able, because Mr. Wolf is in many senses magical as a sorcerer, but the way even just in everyday life, how insightful he is, 
with Gary Ann when he's talking to him about Aunt Pole and basically explaining like stop you know making everyone else miserable because you're going through something and getting him to the understanding of like you need to apologize to her for the way you just acted and putting everything in perspective for him I think it was pretty magical the way he was able to approach that <laughs> with um it's totally magical teenage boy you know you know there's a really subtle magic to those kind of wise moments yeah yeah so that was what popped out for me <laughs> cool oh, so personal insight real life relating yeah so i i made a note about gary and blaming art paul for all his unhappiness <laughs> <laughs> Because just the last couple of weeks, I've really been kind of softening into this sense of um, accountability and understanding that like any state of mind that I'm in, happiness, sadness, whatever, is totally an inside job. It's me feeling a certain way. Nobody makes me feel any way. I, I decide how I respond. I might have feelings that come up or thoughts that come up unconsciously. I mean, we all do that. We can't control where our thoughts come from. They just pop into our head. We do control how we respond to them and how we then, you know, flow through our lives. Mm -hmm. And so I've been contemplating those sort of things a lot in the last couple of weeks. And so just the, the all of Gary and like external blame, blame, blame. And then that gentle coming down into the centre of himself with that with that conversation with right. Mr. Wolf. Yeah, totally. My life's ringing with those truths at the moment. So that was my little connection. Yeah. I Yeah, I get that one for sure. Um, it's hard to um, sometimes remember to come from that place all the time. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You have to be a, like a master of that to be able to do it all the time. Health, hence my constant spiritual self-care. <laughs> right. Practice. Right. Yep, exactly. So my real life relating is a lot less insightful. <laughs> but I totally relate to Dernick on the ship with his, as he's like getting sick over the side or wherever he's throwing up the whole time because... I hope it's over the side because ew... I remember being a child and even now, if I'm not careful with certain movements, I can get pretty motion sick pretty easily. But when I was a kid, my parents really liked to, to my dad really liked to take road trips in the car. And I'll tell you, like being in the backseat of a car when you're prone to motion sickness is no fun. So I spent a lot of the traveling part just not feeling well. I never really threw up, thankfully but I would always be so nauseous. The nauseated to the point of like, I was swallowing trying to like keep it oh. down <laughs> because I hated throwing up. Like, so I, yeah, that was my I, sister. She used to get given the front seat automatically. Yeah. My sister would get the front seat and I used to, we used to have like stuff in the glove box, chamomile tea bags and peppermint tea bags. And mm -hmm. she would like, Press them to her nose. Right. Yeah. Peppermint is huge. Now that I have peppermint oil, like I use the essential oil peppermint, and 
I'll just like wave it under my nose or I'll put a drop on my tongue and it yeah. usually helps if I feel it coming on. I don't get it as much now. It was more when I was a kid, but yeah. I also don't drive around like that anymore. Yeah, when was the last time you were in the backseat of a car? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the first time that we went to Girl Scout camp together. <laughs> I It was a van yeah. and I was the only one in the very, very back. How'd you go? I was nauseous by the time we got there and you know driving up a mountain it's like didn't this. you speak like, up and say I get motion I get car sick can I sit in the front please no I didn't oh at least <laughs> and then on the drive back I was in the back seat again and I'm like yeah it'll be okay because we're going down this time not up <laughs> that makes and such so, a difference <laughs> The problem was the three girls that were with us were in right in front of me in the, in the van. And so one of the girls did get car sick and she's right in front of me with this bag. Going bleh, and oh. I was just like, the smell of oh. it right in my face. And I was just sitting, I'm like this. I'm like, I don't want to hurt her feelings, <laughs> but I cannot throw up. Okay. And like the mom who's driving is like, just looking at me in the mirror, like, are you going to be Okay. <laughs> Terrible. Alicia Seymour, you are in charge. Next time you are going to Girl Scout camp, say to say, I get car sick. I need to sit in the front. Well, see, I solved this because I told them after that first trip, I'm just going to drive my own car. <laughs> Problem if they want to ride with me, that's fine. But they always want to like ride in that van. So yeah. then I just follow them. That sounds like a great solution, sweetie. Yeah, because that's the way I'll least likely get heart sick is if I'm driving. Yeah. Even <clears throat> you even get it if you're in the passenger seat a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. Yep. Okay, so tips on car sickness. Tune in again next week for. Our <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, what are we up to? <gasps> My favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah you want to go first oh why not okay i pinched one of my girlfriend's books she's into shamanic practice and all that sort of stuff animals and amazing things and so i've pinched a book of hers called animal speak the spiritual and magical powers of creatures great and small and it's written by ted andrews <sighs> And so what am I thinking about this week? So I'm not going to say it out loud, <laughs> uh, but it's about my physical well-being. Okay. A specific thing about what's going on in my physical body and how my, all of my bodies are processing that. So physical, emotional, spiritual, all of my bodies as it, specifically relates to this thing that's going on in my physical form i would just like to know if i'm heading in the right direction with what i'm doing to support myself nice physical health is important okay this might take some interpretation but we'll see how we go <laughs> confirming the force of feathers 
before the exercises of the next chapter can work for you, you must first come to recognize how feathers are links, not only to birds, but to the forces and energies of the air. Many traditions have spoken of the varied expressions of nature. They have often described entire dimensions of life associated with the elements that are generally invisible to the human eye. These we know more commonly as members of the fairy realm, the fairies, elves, divas, and spirits that work with and around humans through specific elements. And it goes on to talk about, I'm just gonna read a little bit more because I think it's, I think I need to. Folklore and mythologies are filled with tales of beings associated with the element of air. And air is my element. <laughs> so wow. these beings range in size from the tiniest of sylphs to great storm divas that move the winds and bring changes in the weather. They often appear delicate <laughs> and those of the larger size may actually appear angelic. They are around when anything associated with the element of air is honoured. Anyone who works with bird totems will have contact with them. Fairies and spirits of the air often work through birds to assist humans in the initiation of air, the understanding of the workings and powers of the mind. Through birds, they help us in opening to wisdom and to everything discussed in chapter six. Looks like I might need to read chapter six, dudes. <laughs> and um, do some practice. And it suggests some practices for working with this. And, and air is all about movement. There's this movement and, and freedom and freeing up. So I'm getting, as I read this, I'm getting this real sense of, I've been sighing like through this whole passage that as I've been reading it, like this real kind of out breath. It feels like this, um, it fits with my question and with what I'm working through because there's this lightening, this releasing. And so I might get a little bit witchy this week and do some work with feathers and air. So thank you, little book. I wasn't sure, but you were kind of perfect. <laughs> okay, I'll mark this page. It seems like you got exactly what you needed. Yeah, what do you think? I think so. Yeah. I think that um, when it comes to physical health, lightening can be um, one of the best things to do. Oh, yeah, for sure. Great. Well, that was my big, huge, massive <laughs> prophecy this week. Your turn. <laughs> um, okay, so at this time I'm using the book Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I think I've used it before. But um, I really just want to keep this intention open and then whatever I get, kind of go with it and see. Cool. <laughs> All right. So in the same way that a casual walk around our house won't reveal a termite problem, a stroll through an office or a school won't necessarily reveal a shame problem. Or at least we hope it's not that obvious. If it is, if we see a manager berating an employee or a teacher shaming a student, the problem is already acute and more likely has been happening for a long time. In most cases though, we have to know what we're looking for when we assess an organization for signs that shame may be an issue. Hmm. 
Ooh, okay. Well, I'm interested to see what you make of that. I've had connect. I've got connections binging around in my head all. <laughs> well, I know that shame is a big focus of this book for her. Like addressing shame, not just in the workplace, like she's talking about here, but in the world in general. And I definitely dealt with a lot of shame when I was in the workplace, working at banks and stuff. So, you know, being shamed by higher ups and all of that. But I think that as far as where I'm at right now, I, I just feel like it's kind of letting me know that shame is um, something that I can easily hold on to. And as I've come into all of this like alignment in the last couple of weeks, really understanding that it's okay to, even though I know the shame has been there, just be able to release it. What I, just, I mean, I'm thinking of the conversation we had before we went we went live when we were having our little private chat. Right. The, the permission yeah, yeah. that you've been giving yourself to kind of... That's true. Because of the certain help I've been seeking out, I don't want to talk in detail about it, but certain help I've been seeking out, I think actually was making me feel a little bit shameful. There you go. <laughs> bing, 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 I couldn't see it though for the longest time until last well, week. You totally could see it, but you kept trying to talk yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you guess know. so. I guess so. It was all about doubting, like thinking that somebody else had all the answers I needed mm-hmm. and how to do what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's just not true. <laughs> awesome. I haven't written down any hashtags again. I oh, I forgot. Damn it. I I know which part of the book I want to go with, though. I can just quickly turn to it. I'm going to say not going through it sober. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put that in here. Not going through it sober. That's what we're going to use. Because <laughs> no one will be able to spell Marja. They'll all get it wrong because this so <laughs> going to be using this hashtag to connect with us and communicate with us and share their pieces of prophecy in all of the places that we are. So, my lovelies, if you've made it all the way to the end of this episode of Belgariad and Beyond, Hit us up on social media with the hashtag not going through it sober, which if you've been listening to this episode, you will understand. And send us your piece of prophecy. Tell us um, how, if you did some magic, tell us anything you like. Start a conversation with us. And you can find us at Bulgarian and Beyond on Instagram and Facebook. And I'll put all the links in the show notes that you need. Or just Google. At this point, you can Google Belgariad and Beyond and we'll pop up there. Belgariad and Beyond podcast and we'll pop up on the Google. Um, but our Facebook, um, our, sorry, our website is belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindle.com. And I'll make sure we've got all the links to click. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I had to really quickly make my prediction. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what was last week? Let's just have a quick revisit last week. Last week you said 
they will head to the destination the king asks them to, but will be ambushed and forced on the run. Yeah. Wrong. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I love, I love how you just are so imaginative. You could write a whole book with your predictions. <laughs> They don't feel that imaginative to me. I'm just kind of like, that's the best I can get. <laughs> that's so. just the best I could do. <laughs> well, let's see. This time I wrote, um, this is my hope, that we're going to learn more about Beric, like this doom and exactly how he fits into this Cherith place. And mm -hmm. so seeing him in his own. And then also, um, oh, that's an interesting typo. But... <laughs> The the company, <laughs> <laughs> meaning the group, uh, Garyon and his group, I think they'll be faced with like two bad decisions. Like, should we okay. do this or this? Neither one's good, but we got to choose one. Okay, cool. I think that is an excellent prediction. Okay, so thank you so much for being here with us, dear listener, dear listener. I really appreciate it. And... To be quite honest, Alicia and I have so much fun. Mm -hmm. It's a <laughs> highlight of my week. And every time. It's time to time. finish. The dog knows. <laughs> <laughs> she always does something crazy when we're wrapping up. I tell you. This time she wanted to chime in. So she's okay. part of it. Oh, absolutely. She's our ending signal. Yep. All right. Well, guys, have an amazing week. We'll talk soon. See you next week. I can read the next chapter. Yay! <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun. Oh, that's excellent. Thanks, Alicia. Oh, yawns.